0: Are you tired of ticket fees? Pay the price for your ticket that is advertised and not a penny more. Go to TixSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Fantastic prices on all sports and concert tickets. Guaranteed seats, no fees. TixSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Mr. Haltech, how are you, sir?
1: Good evening, Aaron. Good evening, listeners. It's uh, we got a great show uh, for for today and for this week. Um, You know, we don't have a a special guest this time around, but uh, we've got a lot to talk about uh, this this evening. We're going to literally talk about um, the roster. It's way too early to pick a roster because we don't know what how it's going to pan out with injuries and camp arms and everything else, but. We're gonna we're gonna make a, our best case scenario for what the 53-man roster is going to look like. Uh, the hot topic, of course, is Mitch Trubisky again. You know, he finally spoke. Uh, he had a presser live via Zoom on Friday. We're gonna talk a little bit about that, and uh, and then our history segment this week is is if you've been following along, we've been off and on talking about the, the Bears whose jerseys have been retired. We, and we're going in numerical order. We started with, with Bronco Nagurski at number three, and this week we're up to number 56, probably the least known Bears player whose jersey is retired, none other than a, a terror on the field, a guy by the name of Bill Hewitt. So, Aaron, how was your week? Oh, not bad. Um, Not a lot going on here.
0: Just uh, pretty status quo. Um, Just following along with all the different uh, player interviews that they've had this past week. And then today we got, of course, uh, the offensive uh, staff. So some of those are pretty interesting as well.
1: Yeah, we'll Um, we'll get into those uh, offensive staff uh, conversations when we talk about Mitch after our first segment and that, of course, is our way too early 53-man roster. And, and uh, Aaron and I have not talked about this, so his, his 53-man roster might be a little bit different from mine, but that's what makes the show fun. Mm-hmm. So, Aaron, let's start with the offense. Uh, obviously, I think the Bears are only going to c- cover or, or come into the season with two quarterbacks. And that, of course, is Trubisky and Foles. Uh, I, I don't know. Do you have anybody, any other quarterback on the roster?
0: No, I don't think they'll carry three. Uh, obviously, you have Tyler Bray um, in case of emergency on the practice squad. But
1: uh, uh, I, to- I agree. I think the practice squad will definitely have to have at least one quarterback. Uh, and speaking of practice squad, it kind of breaks us right in. We have a little bit of breaking news this evening. Ian Rappaport. Uh, just reported a couple hours before we started recording that the NFL and the Players Association uh, are having considerations and talks about expanding the practice squad. Uh, As we all know, the practice squad was uh, 10 players last year, and it was due to be expanded to 12 players this year. And there's talks of expanding it to 16 in light of having players at the ready and able to practice with the team in case there's a positive Corona test, you can automatically elevate somebody from your practice squad. And that way you'll have a few extra men on the, on the roster. And I don't see this being any problem with the Players Association because it means more jobs.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I I think they should do that. I think they should do more. I mean, we've talked about in the past not really understanding why the active game day roster is so small. And um, you know, you've already seen uh, Ezekiel Elliott had a positive test uh, over this past week, and um, I believe there were some other uh, Texans and Cowboys players that uh, were believed to have been tested positive. So. As I said last week, I'm sure that there is going to be a point in the season where significant players are going to be missing time uh, because of because of this issue. So uh, they've got to prepare for it.
1: Absolutely. And speaking of preparations, uh, the uh, the NFL is trying to be. They've been working tirelessly uh, getting this protocol right where. We're now starting to hear some things, such as uh, testing at least three times a week, testing mm-hmm. on the on the Saturday before the game, testing all all people that are going to be on the sidelines. So that means your uh, you know your TV analysts, your chain gang, your training staff, your your obviously your doctor, every person on the field, your officials. Every person on that field uh, is going to have to be tested uh, as they enter the stadium. And they're trying to get some some tests that where they can – they're hoping that there's going to be, by the time the season starts, some quicker testing methods by testing their saliva instead of the intrusive nasal swab that's been going on. Uh, since uh, you know, for the last two and a half months, right. And uh, it's 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 important that they get it right because if you if you have somebody that tests positive, you have to immediately quarantine that person away from everybody. And of course, they're going to be they're going to be gone for an, a minimum of two weeks, and then they've got to get back into training. So you're looking at at four weeks. So it's, it's an interesting thing with this practice squad uh, supplementation that we're talking about going from 12 to 16 players. Uh, you're going to need those players because you know damn well that you're going to get some positive Corona tests during the year.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's kind of interesting, too, I think that, uh, it, you know, What's going on with the NBA, hockey, um, Premier League, all these different things uh, will in some measure, I think, help. Uh, the world in terms of how we deal with this, because they're, you know, they're sort of the ones that are um, pioneering a lot of this and uh, pushing for it. And they certainly, you know, the NFL has the resources, um, you know, to get things done. So it'd be interesting to see uh, how that goes on. Um, you know, of course, I think we talked about how uh, John Harbaugh said that he felt that, you know, that that, that, that they aren't going to be able to adhere to these standards that the league has set forth. So I'm sure there'll be some, adjustments and, uh, you know, things going forward to, uh, to make it all
1: work. Absolutely. As we uh, get back to the bears 53 man roster going into uh, 2020 uh, let's take a look at the running back situation. There's, there's obviously there's two locks, Mm -hmm. three if you count Patterson as a running back or, or of course he he's, he's on the team regardless of whether he's running back or wide receiver. So right. we've got Montgomery, we've got Cohen, and I'm torn between either Nall or the, the new kid that they picked up, Napoleon Maxwell.
0: Yeah, I think um, I would agree with you. I, I'm gonna, I actually think our team, Pierce, peers, uh, the, they picked up from Oregon State. Um, who's also, you know, similar to Ryan Nall, also played at Oregon State, um, would probably be the guy just from what I've seen on tape. He looks uh, pretty explosive. Um, I just don't, I just don't know if I see all of a sudden them having a purpose for Ryan Nall. Um, so my, the three that I have would be Cohen, uh, Montgomery, and Pierce.
1: Outstanding. Yeah, I'm going to have to take a look at, at Pierce on film because I really don't know that much about the guy. So, uh, you know, it's great, uh, great choice there, Aaron. Um, that leads us now to the tight end position. And I've, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm a, it's, it's interesting. I only have four guys making the team at tight end. Uh, and I think that they're going to use one of them a lot as a fullback. And mm-hmm. that being JP Holes. yeah, and then the other the other three, of course, are commit Graham and Demetrius Harris. Yeah, I kind of feel the same.
0: Um, that's the same four that I picked. I, I feel like there is a chance that Ben Bronicker could sneak onto the roster more as in a special teams role, but I don't see anybody else uh, making the roster. I agree with you that Holtz's versatility will be helpful. Now, you know, I've had some discussions with some people about this because uh, people say, well, they're going to be running more two tight end sets. They're going to keep <clears throat> more tight ends, but I feel like the reason they've kept five or six tight ends in the past is basically they couldn't trust any of the ones that they had. So I think they feel a lot better about the tight end roster um, than they did before. So for now, yeah, I would say I agree with you, although it would not shock me to see Broniker get on the roster and, you know, I'm not sure how that's going to work out, but it, it, it wouldn't absolutely shock me, but I've also heard um, that Broner is still battling concussion stuff from the end of the year. So there's a chance that he might. I, I've heard that rumors that he could possibly retire um, because he's a smart kid. You know, he went to Harvard. He's, you know, he doesn't really, you know, he, he, he has other aspirations. Um, so whether he wants to keep get bang around and get concussions, I don't know.
1: After I put my roster together, it was interesting uh, seeing—I I believe it was on um, SportsMockery.com—that mm-hmm. tight ends coach Clancy Barone actually had some high praise for the, the guy that we're we're forgetting about, of course, and, yeah. and he's been a huge disappointment so far. And of course, obviously, we're talking about Adam Shaheen, and, and I was I was shocked. Literally And quite frankly, it's he's been such a forgotten man on the roster, I literally thought that we had already cut him. So that was a shock to me, to, to yeah. listen to, to Clancy Barone or, or, or reading what he said about Adam Shaheen. Did you happen to pick up on that?
0: Yeah, he was one of the offensive coaches that did a, an interview today. Um, What I thought of it was this Is that it it reminded me of the fact That every year around this time We would hear about how this was the year Leonard Floyd was going to break out Um, And so I kind of feel like that this is one of those things where the coach is basically kind of, you know, sending a message to the player through the media and just basically saying, like, you know, maybe it's a little bit of a motivation. Maybe it's a little bit of a vote of confidence. Maybe it's a kick in the pants, whatever it is, Um, you know, but it was strange. I mean, he went on to say that he saw his he, you know, he, he saw a role in the offense for Shaheen. I just can't imagine that being the case. Uh, he's just so, he just hasn't shown anything um, other than the ability to fall down and get injured. So, I, I don't know. A lot of people were kind of, you know, like, what? <laughs> when that came out. But I just don't, I can't make much of that, to be honest.
1: I, I can't either. You know, when when he was the surprise draft choice um, when when he first came out. You know, they were talking about Baby Gronk, and they were showing. You know, the the guy possessed a ton of speed, but of course, you know, he was against third-tier defensive players, right. so of course, he he looked a lot faster mm-hmm. than than what he really has shown in, in the big leagues. So it's it's kind right. of interesting. But what really struck me as a little odd was when when the the when, the, when Clancy. Barone he happened to say, I love this tape coming out of Ashley. And I'm like, Yeah. What? You know, what well, I mean, are you talking about? Yeah. About he tape this since he's been in the Bears' uniform. Right. I mean, you
0: would imagine he's done his due diligence on everybody on the roster, which is, for him, is quite a task since there are so many tight ends. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just like, I don't know. He, he really went to great lengths to praise him, which is just has a lot of Bears fans like just shaking their heads. So we'll see. I, I don't know what that means. I just can't, you know, well, I can't see it, it.
1: As it stands now, the Bears still have nine tight ends on their roster. Mm-hmm. And uh, in alphabetical order, it's we, we mentioned Ben Bronicker. Uh, Darian Clark is a guy we have not mentioned. Uh, he's yeah. a rookie out of, out of Southern California. What, who, who knows? Maybe he'll surprise the hell out of everybody and make, and make the team. Cause I don't know anything about the guy. Yeah. You know, Jimmy, Jimmy Graham, we talked about. Uh, Demetrius Harris, we've talked about. J.P. Holtz, we've talked about. Here's another guy we have not talked about, uh, and he actually – played well in the preseason last year, and that's Jesper Horstead. Right. And then you've got Cole Komet, Eric Saubert, Adam Shaheen, uh, and that rounds out your tight ends. It's worth noting that, and we'll get into this a little bit more when we talk about Mitch Trubisky uh, in our second segment, but Eric uh, Saubert has also been one of the guys that's been a regular Working out with Mitch. It's it's been Montgomery. Uh, really? It's been Robinson. It's oh. been of course Cody's been there to snap the ball to him. Right. Um, you know it's it's been uh, Cole Komet and it's been Eric Saubert in really? these
0: in these workouts. So well, when I saw uh, Demetrius Harris was with Allen Robinson in a picture the other day, and I don't know who all was with them as well, but uh,
1: yeah, and we know Harris has even come out. Yeah. They say he's been working out right. with, with Trubisky, and uh, mm. uh, one of his quotes that that made uh, a lot of noise on Twitter uh, about a, a week ago was, "He works his ass off" when he was talking about Trubisky. So, right. It's gonna It's gonna be interesting. Gonna be interesting when we when we see that. Absolutely. Uh, you know that gets us to our, our wide receiver group and. And yeah, I'm I'm liking the way this wide receiver group is, is shaping up. Obviously you got your top three guys are Robinson, Miller, Patterson. Mm-hmm. I think they carry seven mm-hmm. tight ends or wide wide receivers mm-hmm. on the roster. Gill is a lot to make the team unless he gets hurt. So that leaves Ridley, Wims, and Mooney. Yeah. Not not necessarily in that order. I think Wims is the last guy on the roster, but I think he makes the team.
0: Yeah, I'm feeling the same exact. That's exactly what I have, seven seven wide receivers. Um, I think, yeah, it's just going to be those. Uh, Fur- Furry uh, also mentioned Ridley today, um, which is interesting. So, Or he was asked about him. Uh, You know, again, and we've talked about this before, is I don't I'm not particularly confident in the this current coaching staff's ability to develop wide receivers yet. So, you know, I think Miller is a nice player, um, but I haven't I haven't seen enough development out of whims. I mean, obviously, he's a seventh round pick, but people thought pretty highly of him that that he should have been picked higher. And Ridley Ridley was on the field for one hundred and eight snaps last year nine percent of the offensive snaps like and that's with taylor gabriel injured that's with miller missing time i just feel like it's bizarre to me that he didn't get on the field more for somebody that was we were told was such a great route runner and all these different things but um you know and they're not gonna let mooney be exposed on the practice squad. And I just certainly don't think they went out of their way to, you know, that Matt Nagy went to all this great lengths to recruit Ted Ginn to come here and then just cut him unless he, you know, for some reason all of a sudden just can't run anymore, but I don't think that's going to happen. So I think, yep' we're in we're in this, we're in lockstep with those seven.
1: You know, we you were talking about coach furry and uh, he's, he's had some interesting things to say uh, positively. Uh, mm-hmm. Not only about Ridley, but uh, Miller's attitude. He's talked mm-hmm. a lot about that. Uh, he loves the work that Mooney has put in. Mm-hmm. You know, and we haven't even talked about Robinson. And Robinson's just about been at every every workout Trubisky has had this off season, And the guy is just, you know, we're this close to giving him an extension, I think. And right. I, I think that once the roster is set, then... Uh, and they have an idea uh, going forward. The biggest thing that that's i thinking, my thinking, that's standing in the way of, of a, uh, an extension for Robinson is the cap dilemma going into 21. Is there going to be a drop in cap? Because of the lost revenue caused by the coronavirus, are we going to be playing in front of people in the stands? Right. So that, you know that's interesting. You know, I was uh, I was listening to a radio station uh, yesterday, and uh, the country of New Zealand. Uh, I'm sorry, this is coming way out of left field, but you know, rugby matches are being played in front of packed audiences. Because they, they closed their borders immediately. Right. right. So they're literally on an island and they don't have a corona problem. In fact, they didn't until recently when two people from London flew into this and got tested and got tested positive. That was the first two positive tests that the entire country had had. In like six weeks, they yeah. had nothing. Right. So I mean, I wish we could, you know, go back and copy what the hell New Zealand did because they've obviously done it right. You know, we let all these people in from China and and the Far East and from Europe, yeah. uh, in back into our country, and and of course we ended up getting now we we lead the the, the world in in corona cases and corona deaths. So it's a it's a sad state of event. Wish. We could have gotten more information sooner on yeah. the Chinese, uh and closed our borders a lot sooner, and we would be a lot better off. But unfortunately, it is what it is. So right. um, you know, Robinson, I, I just think is gonna go nuts this year. I don't care who the quarterback is. We didn't even talk about that. Well, we just we just said that, that Trubisky and Foles are gonna be the quarterback. We did talk about it last week, though, in in, in last week's podcast, and and you were on uh, on the side of uh, Foles being the starting quarterback, and I was on the side of Trubisky. Uh, we ran a poll on our our Twitter account at at Hallitech Hall on Twitter, and we posed the question, "Who do you think is going to be the the starting quarterback?" And actually, Mitch Trubisky won 64% of the vote. I was literally shocked. I thought it was going to be a lot closer than that. Foles only got 36%. So have you changed your mind over the last week? No,
0: um, I haven't. I mean, I'm glad Mitch is working out with these guys. I'm I'm happy that's happening. I think it's better for everybody. I think it's good. Um, I just... I still have a hard time kind of rekindling a lot of faith in in the kid on the field. I, you know, he's a great kid off the field, obviously. Um, you know, it'd be and and you know, obviously, I I'm not rooting against him, but I just have a hard time seeing him dealing. You know, winning the job. Uh, I just think that you know, Foles is is has been in the situation. He's a lot more savvy. And, uh, you know, he, he also just has, um, you know, this experience of being <laughs> with these coaches before, um, you know, so uh, I just think he still does it, but back to Alan Robinson, a guy put out, um, a tweet guy named Matt Harmon, um, who basically it was a stat of <clears throat> top 35 wide receiver seasons. He's charted in success rate versus man coverage. Uh, So this is 2014 to 2019. So basically um, the highest success rate versus man coverage of any receivers for those five seasons. Uh, And Allen Robinson has number six of the highest uh, percentages, um, 79.3 percent behind Michael Thomas. Odell Beckham has two of them. Antonio Brown, Dante Adams. So pretty good um, statistic, and this is from 2019. So he he has a, you know, 79% of the time when he's facing man coverage, he is going to get the ball. Now, unfortunately, I don't know how often Mitch really faced man coverage, but we know that he does well against man. Um, but that even speaks to how good Alan Robinson is, because we all know that Mitch had a problem of staring him down this year. And when you know, when everybody knows the ball's coming to you, you know, you have a quarterback who's struggling and you're still catching it against man, almost 80% of the time. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I definitely hope that that they get it done uh, with Allen, but, you know, I'm not super concerned. I definitely agree with you that I think they're waiting uh, because of that. And, you know, it's possible that he may look back uh, and, and be wishing that he took an offer that he maybe turned down. I mean, I don't know what the the status of the negotiation is, if they've even made an offer, but, um, you know, he may have left money on the table by not, not signing something already just because of the economics of things.
1: Absolutely. Um, Anthony Miller, he, he, he played, he surprised every, he, I think he led the team in touchdown receptions in 18. Mm-hmm. And, and then in 19, he, he kind of disappeared earlier in the season. He he had a couple of dumb penalties. Uh, he had a few, he had few drops. And that was one thing that the bears led the league or were close to the top of the league in 2018 with the fewest drops by receivers. And then everybody got, got, you know, hands, you know, hands of brick. It seemed like in 19, everybody, even Robinson dropped a couple. Anthony Miller dropped a couple. Uh, Tariq Cohen dropped several. Uh, Taylor Gabriel, uh, you know, who's no longer with the team, had had a few drops in, mm-hmm. in critical situations. You know, it's it's a it's a shame that you know it, it's we we put a lot of angst on Mitch Trubisky uh, and. Rightfully so, because there were some, he had some terrible games, just terrible, you know, but he also had his fair share of bad breaks with receivers dropping passes. And the one thing about Mitch Trubisky, and we keep on going back to Mitch and we probably will for the rest of the season until the season starts. Mm -hmm. But every time he had a bad game, he had a bounce back game. He played well. After playing poorly, he never had two consecutive stinkers that I can recall. So uh, it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Um, I think that the, the the third guy that I have on my list, Cordero uh, for Patterson, they need to use him far more often in the system as a regular receiver because he just he, he makes things happen when he's on the field. Yeah, and I, I need to see more of of him on the field as a receiver, not as a gadget player that they seem to have with him, especially earlier in the year, running the ball out of the, uh, uh, you know, the shotgun formation. Uh, yeah. What do you call it? The wildcat. Yeah. Uh, you know, and every time he was, he you know, under center, behind center in, in the wildcat, you you knew what was going to happen, so the defense just played off of that, and, and it never went anywhere. Right. So so I want to see him used more in the passing game, and I think can be effective. Uh, this kid Mooney, I just I just love everything I hear about this guy, and, and I think he's going to be getting a good f- fair share of snaps. Uh, then you've got Gill. And then you got Ridley and Wims. Who's going to get the majority of the those snaps for those last two receiver spots? And I think it's going to be Ridley, uh, because of his the the based on the, what we heard about him last year and his route running prowess, caught the ball. I didn't think of he dropped anything. He made a couple of crucial catches. I believe he caught a fourth down pass on a game winning drive. Um, later in the season. And and Juice Wims is the guy that seems to be almost the odd man out, but he does play special teams as well. So I think that that, that's a good seven uh, wide receivers. And of course, you can also flip-flop Patterson back into the backfield because he can be a running back when needed. So that brings us to the last, but certainly not least, spot on the offense, and that's the offensive line. I have a change in the starting lineup. Uh, I still have Massey and Leno at at, ends. I've got uh, Daniels and White here, but I've got Effetti coming in as the starting guard on the right-hand side, and then I've got uh, and and a little bit of an upset, I think. I still have Bars as a backup. Mm -hmm. I think both draft choices. Um, Hambright and Simmons are going to make the roster. And then the last guy on the, on the line is Spriggs. Yeah, I think that
0: this is going to be a spot where they take advantage of the new practice squad rules where they're allowed to move some offensive linemen up and down. So I only, um, I only have them keeping six, um, which may be kind of risky, but, uh, I have Leno, Massey, Daniels, white hair, I Fitty, Spriggs and coward, um, as the guys. And, um, so yeah, I don't, I, I think that you'll, you will see, uh, Simmons and Hambright, uh, and possibly bars, but I think it will be in spot duty, uh, since they're allowed to, um, keep some extra offensive linemen. And then with the, with the, um, perhaps the practice squad uh, expanding even further the way you've just talked about for COVID uh, could even be another spot where they don't have to carry so many offensive linemen, um, you know, since they're not <laughs> sort of forced to um, worry about injuries or, you know, the Bradley soul experiment is, is over, um, et cetera.
1: Absolutely. I think coward makes the practice squad just as the same point that, that you did with the uh, with some of the rookies, you didn't have uh, you didn't have Simmons in your lineup. Did you have Hambright in there either? No, I'm good. Yeah, it's all team.
0: yeah, I'm it's all veterans and I, the only I, my only kind of reticence was I almost went with Bars over Coward, but I just I kind of feel like feel like they still think Coward has some has some upside and i think they already kind of put all this uh effort into him uh, and i think that uh they you know they and castillo want him to want him to work out and bars is kind of a uh, maybe a, a harry Easton guy you know because he was he was a, a Notre Dame guy and maybe he could be the odd man out but i don't know
1: yeah we'll see cuz obviously we have a new line coach and it's going to be interesting to see what he has to say about uh, about the uh, spare guys on the offensive line. Here's where I'm at. This and this is why uh, when you when you take a look, I've got Ifedi, Spriggs, Hambright, and Simmons all making the team. They almost they were second or third in the league in in missed blocks, the offensive line. Uh, so why keep what wasn't doing well? So you've got so you got Effetti, you got Spriggs, you got Hambright, you got Simmons. So you know four of of your your offensive linemen uh, are all going to be new to the team, in my opinion. But of course, you know who knows? Right. You know I'm not an offensive line coach, never have been an offensive line coach. uh, But from a 35,000 foot view. I think you need new blood in, and I think that Coward needs a season to land him in one position. And being on the practice squad, he can learn that position. Great. Right. So, so, good good conversation about the offensive line. Uh, we'll go with the special teams uh, next because it's pretty easy. It's going to be Pinheiro, O'Donnell, and Scales. Yep. You know, the, That's it. Uh, the, uh, when when Wanda was on our show recently, she talked about Eddie Pinheiro's, uh off-season workout and what he's been doing to strengthen his legs and bulk up. He's added about 10 pounds of muscle. Um, you know, if he if he punches that ball against San Diego, it uh, you know, it, it doesn't hook to the left, and the Bears win that game. Instead of 8-8, eight eight, they're 9-7. Uh, right, well, of course, there was all
0: the, the hubbub about being on the wrong hash, um, that he had said he wanted to be on the different hash, and so, yeah. Unfortunately,
1: he was right. If, you know. if he would have been in the center of the field or on the right hash, that ball's going to start off right. 17 feet further to the east and then bend back into the uh, into the uprights instead of bending just to the outside of the left upright, so it's a yeah. it's a shame, but yeah. you know, and that comes down to communication. Communication is so critical, and when it's especially when it comes to a kicker's preference at the end of a game for a game-winning kick, you know you've got oh shit, they're not where I wanted them them to be. Right. And there's you've got negative vibes going through your brain. It's not it's just not a good thing. Hopefully those communications have been fixed. Hopefully his stronger leg, and you got to remember he he missed several kicks after he was he injured his knee mm-hmm. uh, in, in practice, and I believe he made like something like 16 or 17 field goals in a row to end the season on a high note. So Pinero's obviously the the, the kicker. Uh, O'Donnell has been one of the best kickers that the Bears have ever had at, at punter. You know, I mean, you can go all the way back to the 60s to a guy by the name of Bobby Joe Green, who was a hell of a punter for the Bears. Uh, of course, you don't, you've never, you never saw him play, but, you know, back in the 60s, I think he had a, he, he had for his career almost a 46 yard average. And you don't, right. you don't see that in this day and age. As far as is a lot of kickers having a, an average of over 45 yards per kick, he was he was one of the best I've ever seen, and that was back in the 60s. I think he was the kicker for the '63 championship team, as a matter of fact. So um, O'Donnell is pretty much entrenched. They don't even have another kicker on the roster as far as a punter is concerned, and the only lock the only uh, long snapper is is Scales. So. Uh, so that takes care of the offense and the defense. Uh, you're listening to the Halitech Hall Show with uh, our hosts, myself, Michael Halitech, and Aaron Torricelli. As we're talking Bears roster, and we're going to go right into the defense. And, of course, no place to start but the defensive line. Uh, Hicks, Goldman, Nichols are solidly entrenched as your starting three. I think they carry four backups. I think they have Roy Robertson harris John Jacob Jenkins? Uh, I think they're going to keep the. That's why they brought him back. Uh, Brent Urban, mm-hmm. and I think Abdullah Anderson makes the roster as well. Yeah, I agree. Um,
0: I guess um, are you? Uh, I guess we're counting. Are we counting Travis Gibson as a as an end or as a? as an offense outside linebacker or what are we counting? Him yeah, as? Cause
1: I, 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 I counted, yeah, I got Travis Gibson, uh, as a, as an outside, an edge rusher. On, on yeah, Cause I didn't,
0: I didn't have Abdullah making the, making my roster. I, I, the defensive line's a little mixed up, but, um, <clears throat> I have, uh, I have all those guys, Hicks and, Jenkins, which I think is a is a good pickup. He's obviously been with the team before. Uh, Goldman's obviously solid. I think Nichols is going to have a bounce back season. You have Roy Robertson, Harris, Urban, um, and then you know wherever you want to slot Gibson um, as a as a end or a, as a linebacker or whatever. Pick your poison there. But Abdullah maybe. Uh, I thought it was kind of funny this week that, you know, you got Nick Williams who went to the, went to the lions and then he won the Brian Piccolo award. I I, I kind of, I wish we had re-signed him. Like I, I, you know, the guy had a kind of a breakout season and he was a good, he was a good story. Um, it just kind of, you know, I thought that when he left and went to the, went inside the division and then, you know, here he is getting the Piccolo award. I was kind of, kind of made me a little sad, to see that, uh, you know, now he's playing for the dang Lions.
1: Yeah, it's a shame that they didn't keep him, but obviously it comes down to salary cap. And and quite frankly, you know, the Bears did the best they could with the cap situation they were, they have going into this year. I'm sure you're probably going to see some additional restructuring in order to get, uh, an extension for for a guy like Allen Robinson, who's got right. to be the next guy to get an extension. No, there's no questions about that. But right. uh, but but you're right. It's a shame that they couldn't keep him. Uh, wish him all the best, except for at least 14 games out of the year. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yep. So uh, linebacker, obviously your front four uh, to start the season is going to be Mac Trevathan, Roquan Smith, and Robert Quinn. Um, as far as the backups, I do have, have Travis Gibson, uh, I have Josh Woods, I have Barcavius Mingo specifically for, for special teams, and I have mm-hmm. Isaiah Irving. I've got you know I was torn between Irving and in Khalil Mack's younger brother, uh, but I think he'll make the practice squad. Yeah, I don't think Max <clears throat> Max
0: Brothers much of a shot to make the roster, and and Irving has, you know, when he's gotten in there, I think he's played pretty well. He's actually flashed a little, um, so I, and I think he's a guy that has some good versatility too. Uh, could play inside in a pinch or um, can move around a little bit. So yeah, we're in, we're on the same. There's no, I have the same exact guys. Um, I am, and I think I mentioned before, I'm not. I don't love our depth at inside linebacker. I think we are gonna be in big trouble if Woods and E.A. Uh, Bunyiwe are the guys that end up out there on the on the field. I think that's when we're gonna wish that we had Kwiatkowski. I mean, I, I know there was really no way to pay him, but maybe those guys will step up. I mean, Agi is a, a, certainly, a, you know, he's a star in the weight room. Um, he just hasn't really, you know, shown much on special teams or on the field. Uh, and Woods, you know, it, we'll see he's a converted safety. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. He's not, you know, he he's not very, uh, he doesn't have a lot of sand in his pants, as they say. So we'll see how that, how that goes. Um, I just hope we don't even have to, you know, I, I hope we don't have to worry about it. I hope that <clears throat> Trevathan and Roquan are out there for, you know, for 16 games.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The nice part about, uh, you know, when you, when you look at, you know, Mac had to take some time off uh, during some key times. Uh, nobody knew at the time that he was uh, pl- fighting through some injuries to his back uh, last year. But uh, a, a healthy Khalil Mack is going to really, between a healthy Khalil Mac and a, and a healthy Akeem Hicks is really going to set this front seven up to be an absolute terror in, mm. in this league uh, so you've got Iggy making the roster but I don't okay so that was that was an oh. interesting, an interesting difference
0: yeah okay I thought I'm sorry I misheard you yeah that's interesting I just think they like him I think you know um, he was a fourth round pick so um, I think they're gonna give him a shot <clears throat> that's you know the, they believe that that's how, why they could afford to let uh, Kwiatkowski, go. Sorry.
1: So if you're going to keep Biggie on the on the roster, um, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six. I've got eight linebackers. Yeah, I have, I,
0: I have nine total.
1: Okay. So I've got Mac Trevathan, Roquan, Robert Quinn, Travis Gibson, Josh Woods, Barcavius Mingo, and Isaiah Irving. So, right, so... Of, of those eight, which one? Would you take off to to put Iggy on the roster, or was that a ninth? No, I would. Iggy would be my ninth.
0: So we're so, exactly the same, except I added Iggy as a ninth.
1: Okay, so that leaves us with uh, the defensive backs, and mm. I've got uh, I've got ten defensive backs on the roster. Uh, so I've got uh, fifteen. I have twenty five on offense, twenty five on defense and the three special teamers to get me to 23, which is usually how a roster breaks down. They usually do half and half with the last three being your special teamers. So uh, I've got Fuller. I've got Jalen Johnson, Eddie Jackson, Tayshawn Gibson as my starting four with Buster Skrein, Kevin Tolliver, based on what he did last year when, when some guys went down with injuries. Uh, Dion Bush, because of his experience, I got the kid uh, coming out of Canada with Trey Roberson, and uh, and then I've got Kendall Vildor, who was a draft choice, and the last guy on the roster, especially because of his special teams prowess, is Sherrick McManus. Yeah, we're we're the
0: same. Um, I have um, I have. So the way that I have it, I think maybe maybe I've got some extra players on defense because you know we're we're to, we're totaling up to 53, obviously, right? Well, that's the hope. <laughs> <laughs> right. So sorry, dumb question.
1: Come that Saturday before the first yeah, of, uh, yeah. of the season, you're going to have right. to cut somebody on the- so, so I table. so I've
0: got only 22 on offense, and I've got 28 on. Defense, and then I've got the three special teamers. So I have Fuller, screen, Vildor, Tolliver, Roberson, McManus, and Johnson in the cornerbacks, and then I have Jackson, uh, Bush, DeAndre Hars- Houston, Carson, uh, Gibbs- Gibson, and Lucas um, making it as a special teamer. Um, so that would be <clears throat> 28, uh, 28, 22, and three. Um, I just think, I think they still like Bush. I think they obviously, uh, Diaz Houston Carson is a good special team player. And Lucas, I think, was basically signed for special teams. So, you know, Artie Burns, um, be the odd man out uh, as far as that goes. You know, that's sort of a reclamation project. Uh, not a huge surprise there to be to see him cut and then, the rest of the guys, they've got uh, Kentrell Bryce, who is whatever former Packer. You got uh, Michael Joseph, who's been floating around and can't seem to get you know higher than the practice squad, and Xavier Crawford, whoever that is. I don't even know.
1: The, so this yeah. means uh, guys like uh, uh, Duke Shelley is yep. going to go to go to the uh, practice squad. Right. Uh, uh, Even Denmark. Steven Denmark goes to the practice squad. Right. Uh, I, I think they're, you know, Denmark. I think was pretty much on the practice squad all year last right. year. And and um, Duke Shelley made the team, but he had a a lot of penalties on special teams that cost the Bears a lot. And yeah. uh, I believe Sherrick McManus started the year on the practice squad and and they, or at least he was inactive. Uh, a lot in, early in the season and, and Shelley took that roster spot and then they flip-flopped them, uh, you know, it was four or five games in, into the season. So, um, so, so that, that's it pretty much, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting that, that two guys that live about 125 miles apart uh, with no conversation yeah. Uh, between between last week and this week of, about the roster and our rosters are pretty similar so those, that's uh pretty interesting and I'm I'm sure that if you look at some of the other rosters that are out uh, I know that uh, there's there's probably a roster out on um, uh, our favorite website Windy City Gridiron uh-huh. and uh, there's probably one on Sports Mockery. Uh, there's probably one on BearGogglesOn or com. There's there's probably four or five different ones out there, and you might see maybe a, a difference of five players, give or take, between all of them, uh, be, between the rosters. So, uh, yeah, I mean, looking
0: looking back at mine now, the only thing I would probably possibly change would I would I might I might consider losing a safety and for for adding another offensive lineman I think that maybe only having six offensive linemen is a little unrealistic so maybe cut Gibson or cut Lucas excuse me and add bars or somebody that'd probably be the only change that I'd make um, as far as that goes but yeah I mean I didn't look at a ton of other uh, I haven't really looked at one since since the Jacob Infante one that came out like a month ago. So Um, it's just going to be weird. I don't know how these, you know, uh, training camp is going to be so strange this year uh, for a number of reasons, but I think it's really going to be tightly under wraps. I I just don't think we're going to know what's happening up there at all. And and personally, you know, as far as the quarterback situation goes, I don't think we're going to know until they absolutely have to tell us. And I think for a, for a strategy reason, that's going to be why, you know, because why, why let the Detroit Lions, who you're playing first, have any idea who's going to start, you know, until yeah, you absolutely good, have to.
1: Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how or if the preseason happens um, because you're looking at week three. Against the team that went to the Super Bowl, they play. They play San Francisco. Unfortunately, uh, and I'll look it up now as, as we're talking. I can't remember if it's at home or if it's uh, out in in California. Uh, it is. Uh, oh, for the preseason. It's it's yeah. at home. It's uh, at home. So so that's. Um, it's a Saturday at noon game. Eh. On, the, on August 29th, so whoever starts that game is gonna be your starting quarterback week one. I don't see any way around it. Uh, so they've got one at home. They they go to Denver. Uh, they and then they finish, uh, which is an interesting thing. I don't I don't remember them doing this a lot. They're playing Tennessee both in the preseason and the regular season. And they're playing at Tennessee both times, so so that that's uh it's going to be interesting. There is talk of, of eliminating those first two preseason games uh, to allow the teams more time to ramp up, to get to, uh you know full strength be, be, with their own players before hitting somebody else's players, uh, and of course the concerns about COVID. You know why? Why? Why put your your players in at risk uh, four times before the regular season instead of only only two? So that wraps up our, our first segment of the evening, talking about Bears roster. Uh, we're going to take a break and hear from our sponsor Ticksplits.com. And when you, when we come back, we're going to talk about the. The topic that we just love to talk about on the Halitech Hall Show, and that's none other than Mitch Trubisky. And then we'll close out talking a little bit about uh, the the legend that is most forgotten about in Chicago Bears lore, uh, Hall of Famer Bill Hewitt. So we'll be right back after this word from ticsplits.com. So you're looking for great ticket deals. Who is it? Well, TixBlitz.com has you covered. From the biggest sporting
0: events to Broadway shows and concerts, TixBlitz.com has the best ticket selection at the very best prices out there and no service fees. So the price you see is the price you pay. Plus, TixBlitz.com donates up to 25% of their proceeds to charity. TixBlitz.com has the tickets you want when you want them. Go to T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com today. That's TixBlitz.com. Every ticket, every video. Venue everywhere.
1: TickSplits.com has graciously given the Halitech Hall Show two tickets to either the Bears-Packers game in Chicago in 2020 or 2021, depending on whether or not uh, there is enough people in the stands or in the stands at all uh, on the January 3rd game of of this season. Uh, If we can't get you those tickets, Uh, We will give you the tickets for the Bears-Packers game in Chicago for the 2021 season. All we have to do is get to 1,000 listeners or followers on our our Twitter account. So uh, make sure you spread the word about the Halitech Hall Show. Uh, Get it to your friends. Make sure you retweet us often uh, on Twitter and get your friends to, to come and listen to the show because it's all educational. It's all G-rated, so all your family members can listen to this show. Have your kids come on and listen to the show uh, and learn about what is the greatest uh, team in professional football, the, the one and only Chicago Bears. So TickSplits.com, uh, get ready for the season because uh, we're selling tickets. It's uh, every ticket, every venue, everywhere, TickSplits.com. And don't forget to use the promo code TAILGATE, T-A-I-L-G-A-T-E, all in caps, and you will uh, get an additional 5% already off their already low prices because Ticksplits is the only major competitor that doesn't charge service fees. We're back with the Halitech Hall Show. Aaron and I are talking bears. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Mitch Trubisky because he's been in the news Quite often recently, of course, he, uh, uh, word has been leaking out over the past few weeks, uh, with his off season programs, throwing to a lot of players. Most recently it's been, uh, Demetrius Harris, Alan Robinson is, is almost there at every event Tariq Cohen has been there. Montgomery has been there. Uh, Cole Komet has been at just about every, uh, workout and even, uh, the one, uh, the one tight end that we haven't talked about in our roster, but uh, Saubert has been there as well. So, Aaron, a lot of good things are starting to come out about Mitch Trubisky, and uh, you know, and I know that you're on record as saying that the Foles is going to be the starting quarterback. He was uh, talked to the media last Friday. In fact, uh, you know, people, you you can't see us uh, as we're talking via Skype because you only hear the podcast, but Aaron even has a a picture of uh, Mitch Trubisky in his background as we're talking, uh, which I found pretty interesting. I liked what I heard from Mitch on Friday, and what I liked about it is the guy sounded pissed. He sounded pissed. He also, his voice, he sounded more confident He didn't have that higher pitch tone that he had during the off season or during the regular season when he was, you know, obviously he was frustrated by his season, he was a little bit nervous. Uh, It just feels like this guy's got a chip on his shoulder and he's gonna come out with all guns blazing.
0: Yeah, um, you know, I think number one, he should be pissed. Um, you know, this was his job to lose. He had every opportunity to succeed. Uh, he was given uh, the keys to the castle, and it didn't work out. I think he knows it. I think he owns it. Uh, I liked his humility. I think he was very honest about talking about not picking up the fifth op, fifth year option, and understanding why that did not happen. Um, I think. <clears throat> This has given him what uh, I believe that the Bears wanted, which is the the opportunity to focus on something other than kind of fighting against the expectations of the pick, the expectations of the fans, the fact that, that he's not Watson and Mahomes, all these different things, all these pressures, the enormous pressure of just being the Bears quarterback, to very simply you know he's playing for his job right now. So you want to keep playing quarterback for the Bears, you've gotta you gotta beat out Nick Foles. Uh, so I think you know I, I I liked what he had to say as well. Um, I think one of the things that's interesting is that you have heard a lot of guys sounding a lot more comfortable, I think, than if they were standing up at a podium, uh, for sure. And, um, you know, that's because they're sitting at home and now they're sort of used to being on these Zoom calls. And as everybody's gotten more used to this whole uh, addition to everybody's lives, um, you know, it's funny. Podcasters are are, are used to this for for a long time, but all these guys are becoming used to it now. So, yeah, he sounded good. He sounded confident. Um, You know, I liked what he had to say. Um, He said that, you know, he feels that this is still his team um, and. I thought it was kind of interesting that a lot of people, you know, their their immediate reaction was, well, Mitch has got a leg up now because he's been out there, you know, throwing with uh, these players and whatnot. And my thing is, I still think Foles has the leg up because when it comes down to it, Foles would not be there if Mitch really was unequivocally the guy. I mean, Foles would not be on this roster. There's no way in the world he would even be on the team. So, you know, they didn't, the bears didn't spend $20 million a season to, to bring this guy in because they think Mitch is so great. they have, it's a, it's a very expensive insurance policy. That's what Foles is. Um, so, you know, I think it, Mitch is certainly off to a good start I, based on this and based on, you know, what you've seen, you know, for the uh, for him working out with players, his head's in the right space, um, you know, as it should be. And I think he, he had to sit down and watch some ugly tape. Um, and one of the things he said was that, you know, he, he watched every snap and and he went, you know, over kind of what the defense really was and what he thought the defense was and where the ball should have gone, Um, in Nagy's opinion, as to where the ball did go and, you know, all the different things that went on. So I I think what what may be the sort of unexpected narrative of this season is that it ends up being a good thing that we have two pretty good quarterbacks. Because I just have this, I'm starting to have this growing feeling that we're going to see both these guys (laughs) a fair amount um, for whatever the case may be, whether it's COVID, whether it's injuries or whatnot. Um, And so the decision to have both of them, which may have been, you know, which is obviously born out of a a few different things, um, will end up, you know, probably being a smart one uh, in the sense that. You know, I don't. You could look around the league and and look at the number one and number two quarterbacks, and I'm not sure who has a better backup than the Bears. I mean, no matter who the starter is, I think the Bears have probably have the best backup in the league. So that's that's not a bad place to be. Um, But you know, as far as did this press conference and you know whatnot, you know, sort of change my mind about anything? No. Uh, I, but I, you know, I think he's got a shot and I think that their, their, their intention was very much to keep the, keep the window open on the kid. And, you know, that hope, you know, if, if like he he does his thing, then he'll be back. If not, he's probably going to be a backup in the league for the next six, five, six years. And, you know, he'll make another $40 million and good for him.
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, Bill, offensive coordinator Bill Lazor says uh, he he hopes that the team does have a full slate of preseason games, because getting them on the field is the fairest way to judge this this quarterback uh, competition. Um, uh, De Filippo uh, was in in Minnesota a couple of years ago when Cousins had his best year. He was in Jacksonville last year with 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 Foles, um, but of course Foles broke his collarbone in week one. and, and Gardner Minshew came in and uh, and played well. So he was he was the quarterback guru behind all of that. So it, it's interesting that that he's now working with Trubisky. Uh, another thing that that just became available to us. Uh, thanks to Eric Lambert of sports mockery is Trubisky during these, these workouts with the, the receivers that have been coming in. Uh, I did not, I was not aware of this until today, but he's been working with quarterback specialist, Jeff Christensen, uh, former NFL quarterback. Uh, and let's just, let's just put it this way. Uh, Three of the four quarterbacks that made it to the conference championships last year have all worked with Jeff Christensen. Think about that for a minute. The Tennessee quarterback worked with him. Patrick Mahomes worked with him. Jimmy Garoppolo has worked with him. All within the last three years, 17, 18, and 19. The only quarterback was Aaron Rodgers that he has not worked with. So when you've got, when you've got a guy that's worked with Kirk Cousins, Gardner Minshew, Nick Foles, Jimmy Garoppolo, um, Tannehill, thank you, um, and Mahomes, now all, both of those guys are working with Trubisky. uh, I think it bodes well because the guy, obviously we've seen the talent We've seen – everybody wants to go back and talk about the Tampa game. Uh, you know, he was this close to winning that game outright against Philadelphia. You and I disagree on that last play uh, before the field goal. But it was there. It was there. He just got he – had, he had a rush right in his, in his grill, uh, the way I see the film. Uh, you know, he has – in his career, he's had three or four last-minute drives – that put the team in position to win only to see a missed field goal lose the game for that. Uh, so imagine if those four games had turned the opposite way. And what are we talking about Trubisky now? So it, it's, just, it's just interesting, interesting, interesting that we're hearing all this talk about Mitch Trubisky. And when it comes to Nick Foles, We're hearing crickets. I don't even know if he's worked out with the Bears receiver. I don't know if he's found a place to live. And obviously he's got a few million bucks in his pocket that he can buy a house near Lake Forest and get here and start working with some of these guys. It's working with Mitch, but I haven't heard it. I haven't seen it. So I'm, I'm a little bit baffled about the fact that does does Nick Foles think he's gonna walk into Chicago in late July and, and all of a sudden take over the team? Uh, well, the, the one thing with
0: Nick Foles and Anthony Miller, cause a lot of people are saying, where's Anthony Miller? Um, they are both about to become parents, Anthony Miller for the first time and Nick Foles, I believe for the second or third. Um, so that's what I've heard is why they're not here yet. Uh, is that they are both of their—I uh, think it's Anthony Miller. I don't think he's married to her yet, but um, they are both due any day or week here. So uh, between COVID and the moving uh, and the new baby and everything, I think that's why Foles hasn't been around yet. Um, that's At least that's what I've heard. So that that, yeah, that, that could be the reason.
1: To me, I had not heard that, and I hadn't heard about Anthony Miller being on the the uh, uh, the verge of becoming uh, a dad for the first time. Uh, single most important thing I've ever done is be a dad. Without Same question. Same here. Same here. You know, so God yeah. God bless him for that. But uh, uh, you know, you had just talked a little bit about COVID. Uh, here's something that Zach Pearson just retweeted uh, a few minutes ago. Uh, today's COVID cases in Illinois, Illinois performed almost 30,000 screenings today or within the past 24 hours, and only 546 were positive. That's a positive ratio of only 1.82%, which is a huge number to the positive side because they their rolling seven day positive percentage rate remains at three percent. But if they're you know if we're down to one point eight, that's a huge number in the terms of reopening the state. Yeah, the things are trending in the right direction.
0: Um you know they've been pretty hardline about keeping things closed, so you know overall it, it hasn't been easy uh, economically. Um, you know unfortunately the it's you know there's quite a budget shortfall for the for the city and the state, which there already was, both of those things, which is going to be worse now. Um, but with the way that you know things are going in the opposite direction in Florida and Arizona and places where they did open up um, before Memorial Day. Uh, you know i i I have to say you know that i'm pretty i feel pretty good about what the leadership here has decided to do with regards to how you know we've we've been tracking um, you know we'll see if any of the protests or anything um you know ha- have have affected that uh, but it seems to be fairly clear that you know memorial Day <laughs> was a factor in some of the states where the spikes have have happened so um, you know, hopefully that just that leads to, you know, as trivial as it sounds. I mean, that's what we're interested in, you know, on this show, you know, is sports. Um, you know, and we're hopefully getting closer to a baseball uh, agreement and and so on and so forth. But um, you know, the sports are kind of uh, in the beginning. They were sort of the canary in the coal mine uh, with the NBA. Uh, you know, the way that everything went down. Um, with the jazz player and uh you know and so the the how the how they do and how some of these sports have done you know the pga has been back and they haven't they haven't had any positive um tests so far so that's that's a good sign i'm I'm not a golf fan but i would say i listen to a lot of sports radio and they're talking about that um ufc's done pretty well with it premier league is back etc so all good signs um you know, like I said, there's more important things than sports, but in this case, what, what's going on in sports can kind of hopefully be uh, light at the end of the tunnel, or you know, uh, some sort of a sign for the rest of life.
1: Absolutely, we've uh, we've been talking about the COVID uh, dilemma and and other sports getting in, and, and we're also talking about Mitch Trubisky in this segment. In Uh, one thing that came to light uh, over the past couple of days was his, his shoulder, you know, he he probably should have had surgery and ended his season. Uh, And he literally, every time you lifted your, even though it was his non-throwing shoulder, but he he was in a lot of pain. And every time you lift your arm, because you both, trust me, when you go to throw a, throw a pass, your left arm isn't down by your hip. You know, your left arm is, is, is up, and you're, you're, as you follow through, your arm is there. And if he was experiencing this pain that we've now heard about, similar to not hearing about colomax injury until after the season was over, that had to affect his his throwing motion. It had to affect uh, his his accuracy. Uh, Hopefully he's beyond that now. The the one thing that that Coach uh, Flip told him when he first started talking to him is, hey, man, yeah, you you didn't have the greatest season. You you had to – he had surgery. You had to rehab it. You need to back away. Just get – go get out of here. Go do whatever it is for a few weeks and just clear your mind – and let's start over. And that's that's a you know instead of just pounding and pounding and pounding. Sometimes I don't care who you are, you need to recharge. And getting out of your element and getting into a relaxed mode is is good for not only the body but the soul as well. And now he's back into it full time. He's been working out with, with these uh, with these all these receivers that we've heard about in. Now this, this uh, you know, Jeff Christensen, who is respected by every quarterback in the league, had no idea he was working with him. It just feels, there's a feel-good story starting to happen there, and I, I just hope it carries through into training camp.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, breaking news—just um, just, I just saw this tweeted by uh, Grizzly Gridiron um, that uh, they fold the Foles just welcomed the new baby today. Um, so uh, congratulations. Con- con- congratulations to them. Duke Nathan Foles has been born. Um, so congratulations to Nick and Tori Foles. Um, healthy baby boy. So there's there's the answer for. Uh, for people that were wondering <clears throat> where Foles has been, uh, the baby's really—I—I I, I didn't know it was like really any day, but apparently, yeah, it was really any day. So they were not—he's uh, been—he's been waiting uh, bedside almost. So congratulations to them. Um, but yeah, back to Filippo um, and and the Mitch thing. I saw some people saying, you know, they were pissed that that Filippo told him to to pull back, but. I think that's absolutely the right call, like you said. uh, Mitch is notorious for being a little OCD, um, and I think that amongst many things, his shoulder injury um, only made things worse for him because he stopped playing with his instincts so much he he already went into the season thinking i've got to be a pocket passer i've got to be a pocket passer i've got to do this and that i've got to take the next step and then he gets hurt and now he's gun shy to run the offensive line starts playing like crap he has no tight ends you know naggy's trying desperately to get him going and all just snowballs on him and he is the kind of kid that that obviously, you know, I believe he does really care. And he is, um, you know, by all accounts, a very hard worker. Um, And, you know, it sort of gets cliched, and you know, first one in, last one out kind of crap. But I think it's true with him. Um, And I think it's, you know, Deflippo should tell him that. I think where we want Mitch to be, and everybody has said this ad nauseum, is we want fourth quarter Mitch, you know. We don't want first quarter Mitch because first quarter Mitch, after the scripted plays are over, is usually bad. Uh, we want fourth quarter Mitch. We want the kid who, you know, is just trusting his instincts and trusting the plays because I think that's the biggest thing he doesn't have is he doesn't trust the pocket, he doesn't trust his eyes, and he doesn't trust the plays, so he doesn't throw the ball two spots he's waiting till he sees a guy open and in the nfl you don't have time for that there's only a few guys in the history of the league that have arms that can you know overcome that amount of you he has to trust the play you know and so what ends up happening is you know he ends up forcing everything to alan robinson which did which he did pretty well or he ends up dumping it to Tariq Cohen, and then Tariq Cohen has to run out of bounds or gets hit immediately, and that's what happened almost, you know, it seemed like every other play, And Mitch was throwing the ball. So, yeah, so hopefully he can, you know, clear his head, and, um, you know, maybe the, the, the competition and the ability to focus on the competition will keep him in that headspace instead of, you know, kind of wherever he was before, because wherever he was before wasn't getting him anywhere. So it's going to force him to change his mentality. Physically, he's talented. Nobody says he's not talented physically. I mean, he's, you know, he's easily one of the most talented physically quarterbacks the Bears have ever had. It's just, you know, can he put it together when it matters? That's the question. So we'll see.
1: Just remember, one guy that uh, uh, had the same problem with the Bears, and probably now owns just about every passing record in in the Bears uh, franchise history, is Jay Cutler. He, he was terrible at at uh, throwing the ball to a spot he was waiting for his receivers to get open. Uh, but I wish I could see Jay Cutler with the receiving core that we have now. Yeah. You know, it, it would have been. Yeah, have
0: or, worked. you know, or an offensive coordinator, a real offensive coordinator, you know, instead of, you know, like a converted offensive line coach like Tice or, you know, that jerk Mike Martz, <laughs> you know, I mean, like yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. Yeah, uh,
1: and, you know, Trubisky's now in the same bag because he now has, he's been there four years. This is his fourth year with the team. And he's on his third offensive corny. Yep. You, know, you just don't build any continuity when you're when you're changing your system year after year after year. So uh, it'll be uh, interesting. So Nick Foles, now that your baby's born, get your ass in town. <laughs> exactly.
0: exactly. Uh,
1: you know, take a no, take a few more days. Make sure that the baby and your wife is fine. And uh, we we hope to see you in Chicago soon to start off the uh, the competition and uh, you know if if Mitch is better uh, and he ends up being the, the starting quarterback against Detroit on week one, God bless him. But Nick, if you're the student, the the starting quarterback week one. Uh, there's, there's no expectation other than a Super Bowl victory in 2021 because we should have had it in 2020 to celebrate the 100th year of the league. There shouldn't have been any other team in the Super Bowl besides the Bears uh, in their 100th. The only team to be in that. No, I take that back. The Cardinals were also in the league back in, in 1920 when the league started. So uh, uh, let's go from here. We're going to talk a little bit now about our history segment. And uh, we have been talking about all of the Bears whose the, the jerseys have been retired by the organization. We're up to number 56. Uh, that is Bill Hewitt, who played for two championship teams for the Bears early in the 30s. Uh, he, he was a star uh, receiver and fullback. He played his his ball in college at the University of Michigan, where he was named the team's most valuable player. Uh, And first, uh, all Big Ten team his senior season. And in nine NFL seasons, he was named as an All-Pro six times. He won two NFL championships. And in 1934, led the league in touchdown receptions. And of course, number 56 is retired by the Bears, He's also a member of the Philadelphia Eagles Hall of Fame, and he's a Hall of Famer in pro football. He was inducted posthumously in 1971. Uh, so uh, he, played the, he played end, he played fullback, um, and he was, uh, in George Hallis' words, absolutely fearless When you you took a look at at Bill Hewitt, he was a happy-go-lucky guy off the field, but when he stepped onto the field, he was a terror on both offense and defense. Uh, For the most part in his career, he he never wore a helmet back in the 30s. He said it was, uh, uh, it inhibited his play. Uh, He played without his helmet until his final season, which was with the Philadelphia Eagles, and only then, because it was a league mandate. So Bill, Bill Hewitt, he was—he only played with the Bears for for a few seasons, which is interesting that he is held in such high regard. He only played from 1932 to 1936, and then he finished his uh, his career in Philadelphia. One of those years, which is which is interesting. Uh, because of uh, uh, some some happenstance that was going on, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Pittsburgh Steelers merged for one season and actually became known as the Steagles. And he played for that that uh, for that team as well. Aaron- yeah, well, it was because uh, it was because they had so many players uh,
0: fighting at the time in the war. That's that- right. Yeah, that was uh, that. That is a I, that is a funny footnote. The whole thing with the Steagles. I before I read about Hewitt, I didn't know about that um, that those two teams because they had so many players uh, fighting in World War II that they had to merge um, merge teams. So uh, pretty pretty interesting little side note. It's funny that that doesn't get talked about more.
1: Yeah. So he his last full year um, with uh, with Philadelphia was 1939, and he came back to play for the Steagles uh, in uh-huh. 1933 because there was you know such a a dearth of of talent. And like I said, there was, there was a couple of teams that merged. Um, I think actually in, I can't remember if it was the Eagles or the. Steelers actually merged with another team in a different year, but uh, yeah, the the Steagles was uh, quite. It's if you if you haven't read about the the Steagles, uh, you really really need to. Um, there is a special that ESPN uh, put out. called a Lifetime of Sundays, and. Uh, it's it's the the matriarchs of the NFL, and we're we're talking of course Virginia McCaskey, and we're talking uh, Mrs. Ford from Detroit, uh, Mrs. Rooney from from Pittsburgh, and uh, and I can't remember who the fourth one is, but uh, Mrs. Rooney actually talks about the Steagles era uh, during during that lifetime of Sunday shows. It's it's quite a fascinating time in the league. And you have to remember that, you know, the, the League started in 1920, and it went through the—it you know, it, it had just come out of World War I. Then we had the Great Depression of the 30s. Then we had World War II. So th- there was a, a lot of hindrances with this League in its in its founding years. And there were several times where this League could have folded completely, but it was— the guys like Rooney and Hallis and Mara that in Lambeau that kept this this league going uh, sometimes on a wing and a prayer and it's just fascinating to to read about the history of the NFL and I urge all of our younger listeners to if you're if you're a Bears fan learn don't learn about the Bears learn about the league because if you learn about the league. You're going to find out exactly why the Bears are such an important franchise in the history of this league. You know, they have nine championships. Um, you know, sadly, the Green Bay Packers have 13, but if you take out the five championships that Vince Lombardi had, uh, now, now they're they're back down to eight. And if it wasn't for George Halas referring Vince Lombardi. to the the Lambos, that doesn't happen. The Lombardi era never happens in Green Bay. and and, uh, So learn about the history, learn about the history. It's the most important thing you can do for anything you're a fan of, whether it's baseball or football or hockey. I don't care if it's tiddlywinks or rugby learn about the history of the league and you'll be the, you'll be a better fan for it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there is so much history and of course the bears are in, in intrinsically wrapped in all of that as you know, one of the oldest franchises. So, uh, you won't be sorry for certainly delving into that. Uh, it was the, I was looking up the other, t- it was, uh, the Cardinals and uh, the Steelers. So the Cardinals and the Chicago, or the Chicago Cardinals and the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, during the 44 season merged um, as another another one of these uh, wartime merger teams.
1: Getting back to uh, our our topic, uh, history topic, uh, the the great Bill Hewitt. The interesting we had talked earlier about he led the the NFL. In receiving, I think it was back in 1934, if I remember correctly. I was I was reading off of my notes earlier and I can't find them right now. Um, in in 1934, this is how funny the league has changed. You know how many receptions he had in 1934? No. Eleven. <laughs> in 1936, he had 15. He had. He played 101 games. He caught 103 footballs. That's what the league was. It was primarily a running league back in the 30s and really didn't become a passing league until the dawning of the T formation with Sid Luckman and the Bears in in the early 40s. Uh, Out of his 11 uh, touchdowns or 11 receptions, five of them went for touchdowns so you know he so he led the league i think it was touchdown receptions in in 1934 uh the bears won the championship in both 33 and 34 uh bill hewitt um despite what seems to be paltry totals and of course they're extremely paltry by today's standard um He was a two-time NFL championship in 32 and 33. He was a first-team All-Pro of 32, 33, 34, 36, 7, and 8. He led the NFL in touchdowns uh, receiving in 1934. He is a member of the 100th anniversary team. He is a member of the 1930s All-Decade team. He's one of the top 100 greatest Bears of all time, which is only fitting because if he was number top 100 in the entire league, he had to be a top 100 of the Bears. He also was named to the Philadelphia Eagles Hall of Fame. And he's a first team all big 10 selection back in 1931. Uh, So after after football, uh, he worked for uh, a milk company, Uh, And then, and unfortunately, he died in a car crash in 19—in January of 1947 in uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, Like I said, he was inducted posthumously into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but it didn't take it—he didn't get inducted until 1971. Uh, But it was a very significant um, induction in that with his induction— the Bears became the first NFL team to have a complete one-platoon lineup in the Hall of Fame, which means back in those days, your, your starting 11 played both offense and defense. So all 11 players from that, that era are all in the Hall of Fame, and that's absolutely amazing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, such a different game back then. I don't think I don't think that old players get enough credit. You know, we have such a such a almost ridiculous reverence for old baseball players, um, but we don't we don't seem to to carry that for you know the older football players. I think you know some of that's uh, just because you know there's not as much footage of it. Um, and certainly, you know, baseball it, it back in, you know, the days of the twenties, thirties, forties was, was by far more popular than football. Um, but you know, it's, uh, and people, and people love to talk about how Babe Ruth pitched and was a great pitcher and a great hitter, you know, but all these guys in football were playing two ways, you know, so it's, it's pretty amazing to think about.
1: Before we end the show, this is uh, something else that's a a little bit breaking that I just picked up. Uh, Eric Lambert uh, from Sports Mockery uh, just uh, posted an article uh, and he tweeted about it uh, saying that Bill Lazor was surprised on how open Matt Nagy is to changing the offense. That's huge, and I'm, I'm sure we're gonna we'll definitely talk more about that next week. In fact, next week our special guest is is uh, is Drew Cole, uh, so uh, it'll be fun to talk about everything that's been happening, uh, and of course this uh, the revelation of of Trubisky working with Jeff Jeff Christensen and Laser now on record is saying that uh, Matt Nagy is open to to changing his his offense. Uh, He says, this is a quote from laser. "Uh, I've been in in good staff rooms and I've been in staff rooms that weren't a lot of fun. Uh, Wednesday in his first interview with the Chicago media, to me, this was a really good staff room this spring as long as we were able to stay in it before the offices got shut down. Uh, the conversations because we have a leader that's open to evaluating and who wants to get better that's huge leading into the, leading into the training camp uh, because uh, his play calling or his game planning was uh, became suspect after after his first year um, you know gone was the gimmicks but uh, a lot of his plays were predictable so it's it's good to hear uh this stuff coming from from bill laser and i I can't wait to talk more about it with with drew coming up next week yeah i mean honestly that's that was
0: my hope um i don't think maggie gets enough credit for the changes he did try to make during the season because they didn't work but he did change the offense quite a bit um at various points during the season um you know, like they just didn't work. So I guess what's what's the difference? But yeah. I mean, we saw how few substitutions there were, and and you know, so I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about results. So I guess it doesn't really matter. But the offense that they were running the end of the year was very different from what they were running or trying to run when they were throwing it 50 yep. times a
1: game. Yep, and you can sum it up in two words: I formation. You know, you didn't yeah. see the I formation the first half of the year, and they they right. switched to it, and the running game started to get going, uh, to, despite the fact that that their offensive line missed so many blocks, uh, you know, going going especially uh, in the in the run game. So. Right. Well, that's. That's what I sorry, That was
0: what I was hoping would happen, was they bring in this new coaching staff, and they bring in some people that Nagy's going to listen to. So, I mean, that's all we can hope for, because I think we both agree that Nagy is a great leader. Um, he just, you know, I think he doesn't—he's not there yet when it comes to play calling— uh, as you know, it just isn't. I mean, he just hasn't, doesn't have the experience. You know, he had the terrible game it, it, when he was the Chiefs play caller for ten, tennis against Tennessee in the playoff game. And, you know, so uh, hopefully that that this, this uh, team will work out better and Nagy, you know, <clears throat> takes their advice. Um, and that's all we can hope for is, you know, a different look and, you know, run the damn ball. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, run the damn ball. I think Montgomery's going to run for twelve hundred yards. that's That's one of my predictions for this year. Yeah. Uh, you know, he had almost nine hundred yards yeah. uh, with a terrible line in front of him, so we'll it'll be it'll remain to be seen. Uh, before we leave, I just wanted to remind everybody, if you can uh, get all of your friends to uh, come on over and follow Havitech Hall on Twitter, Uh, If we get to 1,000 followers, uh, our sponsor, TickSplits.com, has generously provided two tickets to the Bears' home game against the Packers, regardless of whether it's this year or next year, depending on whether or not there'll be fans in the stands uh, in the 2020 season. So tell all your friends, retweet us often, uh, and uh, listen to our show without you, we've got nothing. So I thank all of our listeners and I thank all of our previous guests and most importantly, I thank my co-host, producer and editor of the Hell of Call Show, the one and only Double A. Double A,
0: thanks Sure thing. Makes everybody. Have a great weekend. We will see you next
1: week.